Welcome to Season 2, Episode 4 of Practice Purchased. I'm excited to welcome Dr. Kyle Maldonado as a guest to share his experience finding a practice for sale as an orthodontist while having a dad who is also an orthodontist. Dr. Maldonado's situation is very interesting because despite having a dad ultimately wanting to sell to him, the timing wasn't right. His dad wasn't ready to retire. Dr. Maldonado went from thinking he was going to need to find a DSO job during his second year of residency to suddenly having two great opportunities to buy, not including some work opportunities with his dad. As you listen, pay special attention to how Dr. Maldonado searched for practices to buy, failing with some methods and ultimately finding success with another. Think having a mom or dad in the industry makes you bulletproof as a buyer? Maybe not. Let's get to the interview. Dr. Kyle Melanow, thanks for joining us on Practice Purchase. Could you give us a quick rundown of just steps between undergrad and where you're at now? Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, so I, I went to a public dental school uh, in my hometown. Uh, my, my dad's an orthodontist, but, uh, you know, didn't go into dental school dead set on ortho. Uh, you know, I knew I wanted to specialize, but kept an open mind to all the different specialties. Uh, but after shadowing some of them, I decided on ortho. And was applied and accepted into residency at my home dental school. Um, so I finished residency last year. So it's June of uh, 2019 and started working in July. Uh, bought a practice at the end of August. Uh, so two months later after finishing. And I've been working in my dad's practice one day a week. And in the practice I bought three days a week. Um, so I've been a practice owner for about five months now. Uh, worked for the seller for about eight weeks before taking over. And mm-hmm. now I pay the seller to work for me one day a month. Uh, and we just decided a couple weeks ago that his last month working for me will be May of 2020, nice. uh, which will be around nine months after the sale. Very cool. So growing up watching your dad practice as an orthodontist, at, at what point did you know you wanted to get into that career path and then own yourself? So I, um, you know, I went into college. I, I majored in biology. I was kind of going back and forth, forth between medical school and dental school. Um, and, you know, ultimately I, I chose dental school. Um, don't really have a good reason why, I guess, but um, I, I did, you know, talk to a couple of uh, MDs and decided that dental school was a better route for me. And, and uh, you know, went into dental school, like I said, not dead set on ortho, uh, but ultimately did the exact same thing my dad did. So, um, but owning a practice is always a goal of mine. Um, you know, we had a dentist give us a lecture in dental school about, you know, benefits of owning a practice instead of working for someone else or working for a DSO um, and how much you're able to make over your career as an owner versus being an associate. Um, So, you know, my dad also bought a practice right out of residency. So I've uh, actually never really considered working for someone else as a long-term goal. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also know that, you know, there are some negatives and added stresses to practice ownership. You know, I can't pass the buck to anyone else and I don't get just don't uh, just get to go to work and get my paycheck and go home. Um, but I also get to set my own schedule and, you know, use the brackets that I like and the systems that I like. And, and the biggest plus is I get to keep all the profits of the practice. Um, so I think the benefits for me far outweigh the negatives. Yeah. Which will be pretty significant this year. If the, if the numbers that we looked at together, are any indication. So you're, you're there, you're in your residency and uh, you and I got introduced with a pretty interesting conversation. I'm going to um, probably miscategorize it some, somewhat, but um, or mis- mischaracterize it. But uh, you basically came to me and said, "Hey, Brian, I'm being approached by multiple parties to buy their practices. Can you help me out?" 
um, which is yeah. a, a very unusual, well, it's a very, but it is unusual enough uh, request that it caught my attention. So talk to me a little bit about how that happened. So you obviously have some family connections, you're in a hometown yep. and things, but you know, why were people coming to you uh, to buy their practice? And, and what did that look like from your perspective? Um, so, you know, my dad has a, a relatively small orthodontic practice and he wasn't ready to cut back or retire anytime soon. So uh, I always knew that, I'll, you know, my dad's practice was not going to be it. I was going to have to find another job or find another practice to work in. Um, so, you know, I wanted to, obviously I wanted to buy another practice, but I wasn't even sure if I was going to have that opportunity. Um, you know, there, there really aren't that many orthodontists out there. And if none of them are looking to sell in the area you're looking at, then there's nothing you can do. Right. Um, so I was fully prepared to work for a DSO or as an associate. Um, but my number one goal was always to buy a practice, uh, other than my dad's, um, from the beginning. And, uh, so I started at the, you know, the AAO, the American Association of Orthodontists has a opportunity search engine. Um, so initially that's what I was doing. I was looking on there. Um, but there really weren't that many opportunities that were around me. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure how it is in the, in the general world, but I've noticed that uh, in ortho, uh, it's easy to find a job, but not necessarily easy to find a job in the place you want to live. Yes. Um, so the wider your search area is, the better chances you are that you're going to have a, you know, find a good job. Um, and for me, I was only looking in my area and I wasn't really moving, uh, willing to move. Uh, so it definitely limited my options. Um, so without much luck on the AO website, I, uh, I decided to ask around. I, I asked a couple of ortho supply reps uh, if they knew of anything and they didn't really offer much help, but I have heard success stories from other residents uh, who found jobs through those reps. Um, but I uh, ultimately asked a retired faculty member at, at my residency um, and he happened to send an email a few months prior to all of the graduates of the residency program uh, asking to let them know if they're looking to sell so that they can be paired with a resident. Um, so my faculty member introduced us and I, I visited the practice and had dinner with the seller and his wife. And uh, a couple months later, I was approached by another orthodontist who just happened to know me from uh, my dad. Uh, so that orthodontist was also looking to sell. So all of a sudden, within two or three months, I went from having no job prospects to having to decide which practice to buy. Um, so that's around the time that I contacted you and uh, you helped me look at the numbers of each practice and kind of yeah. go over the pros and cons of each one. That's an amazing story. Uh, so there's a lot to unpack there. Let me, let me dive a little bit deeper into some of those points because you mm -hmm. breezed over a few things that I think are um, uh, kind of unusual for, uh, it doesn't matter really what stage it is in in their search uh, that you did probably better than most. So let's talk about that faculty member for a second. <clears throat> I think I know who is, but um, is that something that he or she offered everybody, all the residents, or was there something specific about you, uh, you know, a, a personal connection that you had made with that faculty member? Um, you know, it just happened to be one day I uh, went into the, the lab and uh, was talking to him and, you know, he was asking me about, you know, how's it going? And, I, you know, I kind of told him that I was looking for a practice and, and, he, and he basically said that, uh, you know, he has a practice in mind. Let me talk to the seller first, make sure it's okay. Um, it's going to be a little bit of a drive for you, but I think it's a good practice for you. Um, you know, and that, that faculty member, since he's retired, he's kind of taken on that kind of role of trying to pair up, uh, some of the residents with, uh, you know, uh, previous orthodontists that were, that attended that residency program. Awesome. Um, so he's taken on a role. I know he's helping out some of the current residents now finding jobs. So, mm -hmm. um, I'm not quite sure how much, um, you know, help he's, he's had with, or 
help he's given to other residents because everything is kind of hush hush um, until you actually sign the, the, on the dotted line. So, um, but he definitely helped me out. And I think, you know, from what I've can tell, he's helping other residents out from my residency program. Yeah. So that the power of the personal network, uh, you're there in the lab, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and you're not afraid to open your mouth and ask the question and, and be blunt about how things are going and what you're looking for. Um, I think that's the secret to that success. And then um, obviously the family connection is good. Did you know for, you know, cause a lot of people buy from siblings or parents or, you know, there's like family connections and dentistry all the time. Uh, but did you know that buying your dad's practice wouldn't be an option? Did he tell you that up front? Yeah. He told me that um, at least initially, you know, mm-hmm. I, it's not like he's going to sell it to anybody else, but he wasn't, um, you know, uh, ready to retire yet. Or more even of a timing thing. Yeah. yeah, it was more of a timing thing. Um, he still wanted to work. He still loves what he does. Um, so, and he has a smaller practice, so really wasn't uh, able to support two full-time orthodontists. Um, so I've always known that, um, you know, even when, when I was applying to residency, knowing that I wasn't going to only work with my dad in the beginning, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've always had that in the back of my mind, knowing that, you know, just because I have a family member that's an orthodontist is not as easy as it sounds. And, you know, everybody in residency always would make jokes that, um, you know, oh, you have it easy because your dad's an orthodontist right. and everything. But it, I guess it really wasn't like that at all um, because, you know, right now I'm only really, really working for my dad one day a week. So, you know, the majority of my, my time is spent in the practice that I bought. That makes sense. So how did you decide on uh, wh- where you ultimately landed? What were some of your criteria that you were looking for? So, um, you know, I was looking for a practice in an area that I feel could grow. Um, you know, I was also looking for a practice with, uh, increasing production as opposed to a practice that's been steadily declining. Um, I didn't want a practice that was too big, um, that I wouldn't be able to maintain coming right out of school. Uh, the overhead was something also important to me. My dad's practice has an extremely low overhead. Um, and I think the ultimate goal for any practice owner is to have a high production with a low overhead. Um, so I thought that an overhead that was already high, was going to be kind of hard to cut, um, you know, at least initially, uh, maybe over time I can make, gradually make cuts to it. But, um, I, I felt like, you know, the overhead was a, a pretty big, uh, mm-hmm. decision maker for me. Yep. Um, so when I was deciding between the two practices, they both had similar production. Uh, they both were about a 45 minute drive from my house, which to me was a positive, um, you know, cause it was far enough away from my dad's location. Yep. Um, so, you know, one practice had an overhead that's around 10% higher than the other. Uh, that practice was also in an area that was a little more affluent. Uh, so initially that seemed like a positive to me until I realized that there were around 20 other orthodontists that wanted to live in that area. And there was only a population of around 80,000. Um, so to me, that area was way too saturated. And I thought it would be harder to, for me to make a name for myself in an area uh, that I didn't grow up in or, or in an area that I wasn't going to live in while I was you know, practicing there. Um, and you know, most of the other orthodontists probably live in the area and raise their kids there and are members of the community, but that wasn't going to be me. So I didn't want to compete with all these other orthodontists in that area. Um, so the, you know, the lower ortho overhead practice was an area that was about the same population, but only had about four orthodontists in the area. Um, so I felt like that location was better for me in my situation. Mm -hmm. Um, the lower overhead practice was also a satellite practice of an orthodontist who's only going there five to six days a month. Um, the practice numbers were steadily rising over the last three to four years, but it wasn't too big to where I'd feel overwhelmed. Um, and so I was, I was, I knew I was going to turn it into, turn it into a more of a full-time practice. Um, so I felt like just, you know, me opening up more days there would help me grow just that alone. 
um, giving me more availability to the patients and whatnot. Um, you know, the previous owner had a staff of around 12, um, and, but he had two locations and he was seeing, you know, a hundred patients a day, which in the general world may, may seem kind of, uh, you know, unthinkable, but in ortho, it's actually doable and possible. It is a busy day, but there's a lot of orthodontists that do it. Um, so I, I bought his satellite and I was able to keep five of his staff, um, and work about three patients, patient days per week. Um, so now I see around 40 to 50 patients per day, uh, with the smaller staff spread out over more days. And doing very well. You and I talked a little bit about some numbers before you jumped on, but um, you've seen the practice grow and, uh, and you're doing awesome. So congratulations. That's awesome. Tell me, you. Um, you know, with the family connection that you've got in the industry and, and close by to where you live, what would you tell other dentists who have family members in the industry that, you know, either have a situation like yours where a purchase is maybe not an opportunity right that right when they're looking, or maybe it is an opportunity you know, what have some of those conversations sounded like between you and your dad, other family members, anything to be aware of for dentists maybe earlier in their career than you are now? You know, I would say that if you have a dentist, uh, you know, a father or a mother that's a dentist um, and you're planning on going to work for them, um, I would still tell them to try to find another job too, you know, even if it's one day a week or, or once a month working corporate. Um, I think being, being on your own teaches you a lot about dentistry. Uh, because it forces you to think for yourself. You know, I work with my dad one day a week and in my practice three days a week. Uh, I love working with my dad. I get to learn from someone who's been doing it for 30 years. Um, I also get to work, I got to work for the seller for about eight weeks prior to me taking over and I still text him all the time. So uh, I feel, st- I, I feel like I still have that support system there. Uh, but I also get to venture out on my own and, and practice for myself, which to me has been a huge positive. Well, congratulations again. That sounds awesome. Anything else you'd share with other dentists about finding a good practice to buy, especially around your, you know, the strength that I see you have that in that personal network. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I felt like I was pretty lucky to find the practice that I did. Uh, you know, if my faculty member hadn't connected me with the seller, I think my, my next step would have been to just to send letters to orthodontists in the area. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think there's one magic way to find a practice, but the more ways you try, the better chance you're going to have to find a good opportunity. Um, so I, I also don't think you should buy a practice just to buy a practice if you don't feel like it's the right one. Um, I think you'd be better off associating for a year or two and wait to find a good opportunity than buying something uh, that you really weren't excited about just because you think it's better to own in the first place. That's fantastic advice all around. And, and what's interesting to me is uh, you mentioned luck, um, how, humble. <laughs> the most successful dentists out there are about where they're at. And, um, you know, I think you're a shining example of that. I think, I, I think it'd be naive to, uh, not say that luck plays a role. And so I think it's, it's smart to acknowledge that. And, and I think that a lot of the work, uh, the relationships you've built, um, the reputation, uh, both you and your family have, uh, is, you know, is no spark, small part of making that luck happen. So, uh, Dr. Kyle Maldonado, thank you for joining me. Uh, really appreciate you sharing with the uh, dental community. Uh, thanks for joining. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for all the help you gave me. And, you know, thanks for all the help you're continuing to give other uh, dentists out there and finding their practice. Thanks for the kind words. Kyle has a great story, right? I want to highlight a few key takeaways. Before I do, remember that you can get my exact tips and techniques to create relationships with sellers including the exact word-for-word examples and tools to track it all by clicking the link in the show notes or just texting the word examples to 33777. I took away the following from Dr. Maldonado's story. First, his relationships. 
Obviously, having a dad in the industry is an advantage, but he didn't rely on that solely. He did good work in his residency, created relationships with others, including the faculty member who ultimately proved the most helpful. Second, Kyle tried some things that didn't work. He browsed online. He talked with equipment and supply reps. None of that panned out. It would be a mistake here to conclude that browsing online and supply reps are not good sources. They might be. The point is that Kyle spread his net widely and tried multiple methods to find the one that worked for him. Third, I loved Dr. Maldonado's advice to focus on which opportunities had better cash flow using that metric as a proxy to be able to know where he was going to learn the best practices available. Finally, fourth, he recommends those who have a family connection do some work outside that office to learn and grow outside of what they're used to. Dentists like Kyle, who are humble and not flashy, make the unsexy, uncool, sometimes boring practice of working hard and having good relationships seem like not a big deal. But it is a big deal, even though it's harder. And because it's harder, most of your peers won't do it well, leaving all the good practices for you. Thanks for listening.